Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, palbocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. I wanted equal pay. Like, I wanted... I wanted equal pay and I I never backed down from it because um, here I am. I'm writing letters. Um, I'm writing letters to say, to, to speak on all the inequities that happened at, in San Antonio at the NCAA tournament. Like, you know, I got it out. I had to get it off my chest and then I had to, you know, just move on and focus on our team. And then, it stayed with me when we got back. Like, how am I going to be out here politicking and fighting for equality nationally? And then we, we don't, I don't even have it here. There's not, there's not been, you know, discussion about it. So then I'm like, hell, I'm going for it. Like, for real, I'm like, I'm going for it. Like, th- this is what I want. What I want. What I want. 
Cashing in, y'all. We're talking about Don Staley and her historic deal, making her the highest paid coach in women's college basketball. I'm happy for her. She's joining us next on Naked. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Carry champions to be a champion, a champion, and carry champion, and carry champion, a champion, and carry champion, and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, connected with in a world we're vulnerable, considered weak. Come and remove the veil from entertainment's elite. It's the difference between what is real and what the public sees. So here's your favorite celebrities behind the scenes. It's refreshing, authentic, the whole story specific. Life altering events to shape the person that you hear. We got a champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. It's the greatest in sports and entertainment connected with us. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest. Hey, y'all, I'm so excited to have Don Staley on. Um, I told you she was cashing in. Uh, Well-deserved. By way of background, Don Staley from Philly. And she was very clear. Some people try to say they're from Philly and they ain't from Philly. You got to check the area code. She'll get into that. But she's from Philly and she is unapologetic about whom she is or how she moves. And I love that about her. Uh, just recently, you may have read that she signed a huge deal with the University of South Carolina as the head women's basketball coach. She is now looking at a historic contract, seven years, $22.4 million, making about a little, a little under $3 million a year. That's two point nine. It was a huge payday for her, putting her up there with the big boys, and it's well-deserved. She's already won a chip there, but she's a four-time Olympian. She's a hard worker, and she really does define, to me, 
what it means to be a coach. Don Staley says, I meet my players where they are. And from that moment on, I take them to where they want to go. Uh, She said she was taught that way when she was playing college basketball at the University of Virginia, and she wanted to be um, similar to who raised her, if you will. And I, I, I respect that because you see there are people in your life oftentimes who really make a huge impact. And for her, it was her basketball coach. And all Don ever wanted to do, and she'll tell you this on the podcast, is just play ball. Uh, At the time in which she graduated from college, there was no WNBA. So Don went to go work at a retail store. Can you imagine loving something so much, but there is no way you can do what you love because there's no professional league? And I think we take the WNBA for granted now because we didn't realize that it's only been around for 25 years. Like there was a life in which there was no women's basketball. If you love this Good for you. Uh, How do you stay in the game? You be a coach. You may be able to go play overseas. Uh, You work hard to be an Olympian, but that is it. Well, she's done all of the above. She played overseas. She's a four-time Olympian. And she is now arguably the highest paid coach in women's college basketball. And I am impressed. Her story is impressive. I am impressed and her story is impressive. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition, y'all, of Naked with South Carolina's Don I have so many, so so much to re- congratulate you on, and just I'm personally just happy that you're here. Um, from afar, I, you know, while working at ESPN and covering sports, I just always admired everything about who you are. So I've always had a, a hardcore crush, like she's the best. <laughs> and but you seem like you know nonsense. So I was like, my goofy ass. If I met her, she'd be like, all right, calm the fuck down. You too. Goofy. <laughs> You know what I mean? So welcome to Naked, where we talk about any and everything. And the goal is just to find out how these extraordinary people become so extraordinary. Uh, but usually they don't know that they're extraordinary. They're just real humble. So I'm, I'm reading about you and how you grew up. Um, Philly, take me there. Tell me about a young Don Staley before she ran the world. Philly, specifically North Philly. Like when you're from Philly... Now be clear. <laughs> you got to be clear where you're from because everyone that says they're from Philly don't have a 215 or a 267 in front of their phone number. So if you got something other than that, then you're from outside of Philly. But I'm, I'm from North Philly. Uh, I grew up in a, in a housing projects called the Raymond Rosen Housing Projects. And if I can give you a visual, it is... Um, row homes that are in this circular form uh, within within the row homes is a big field. I mean, it's a huge field that had a basketball court, a baseball court, a baseball field, a softball field. Um, and then we made we made a track just with like sometimes it was chalk. Sometimes it was, uh, you know, borrowed paint. Um, but if you can imagine, we just had a, a a project Olympics because we had all this, this space. Um, we didn't always have all the equipment to, um, to actually play all the sports, but we made it work. Um, I grew up in a household of, uh, uh, it was seven of us, you know, I had, had a mom and dad and, for my older siblings, I'm the youngest. 
Um, and if you've grown up in the projects, there's this thing called hand-me-downs. You know, <laughs> it, the, the everything, the, the clothes, um, it's hand-me-down. And, and very, very often you... You don't get your own clothes. You don't get your something that you call your own. You, you're sharing a room with. I shared a room with my sister. Um, my three brothers shared a room. My parents had a room, and that was it. And then we, we fought uh, to get to the bathroom. Um, you got brothers who, and we didn't have a shower back then. We had to take a bath. Like it wasn't like it, it was a bath. You got to run the water. You know, in the projects, you run out of hot water, so. You try to fight to get the first, be the first one to take a bath. Um, so it was very, very. You had to boil the water. Remember, right. you, know, you got to boil the water sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So it was a, it was super competitive. Um, all of my siblings, except my sister, could play a sport. So it was, it was a knockout dragout. But all the sports for us started inside our house. Like um, we had this. In the projects, you had a, you know, the vent, you know, the, the, well, growing up in the projects, you had good heat though. You had mm-hmm. great heat, like great <laughs> heat. You had to turn the heat off in the winter because it was that hot. Yeah. But we used to ball up aluminum foil mm-hmm. and we would shoot jumpers on, it was a little lip. It was probably, I would say, no more than three inches from, wide and probably three inches from the ceiling and we would shoot jumpers on it we would dunk on each other you know you would you would cut your you know your fingers trying to dunk on your your sibling but i I would say it was just a an incredible super competitive um household that once you went outside of our household uh it was easy for you to just compete with anybody that was um within the the confines of yeah, of our neighborhood. Mm. So you grow up being a competitor. Everyone knows you are a diehard competitor. It starts in the household. That's that is the essence of who you are. Um, and everyone, I think, not everyone, but they mention height. They always talk about height. And despite being this tall, she was able to do that. When people say that, or when they said that when you were younger, how how did that make you feel? Uh, I mean, obviously, I. I wasn't always short. Like, I mean, I, I think I, I was average height when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else sprung up, you know, as as they got older. I was the only one that pretty much stayed the same height. So, you know, as I'm growing up and as I'm staying at the same height, they did say that. They did say, you know, you 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 can't play. For, for us, it was the big boy court. Like, it was the big guys playing the top neighborhood guys playing on the court. So they, they, the guy, the, the big guys thought of me as just a little girl, like this is too rough for you. You know, you, you won't be able to play with us. Maybe you can play, stick around and play after. Um, so the height thing did, didn't bother me. It was the fact that they said, um, I couldn't play on the big boy court. Um, mm-hmm because they looked at me like a little girl. Um, mm-hmm. But if you looked inside, I was super competitive. I was, you know, I was tough. Like there wasn't anything that you couldn't do to me on a basketball court that would shake my equilibrium. Nothing. Like 
you, you, you can set a hard pick. I'll set a hard pick on you. Um, you can trip me. You can, as long as it was in the confines of the court, I didn't really feel any pain. It was just, it was just what we do in the projects. It was just how we played in the projects. So the height wasn't, I didn't look at my height as a disadvantage. I looked at the fact that maybe my skill set didn't, didn't stack up to playing on the big court, big boy court. It was, it was never, it was never like I was too short. It was more of, you know, I took it as, and maybe I just blocked it out because I didn't want it to be because of my height, because I couldn't do anything about my height, but I surely could hone my skills to pass, be a better passer, to be a better shooter, to be a better decision maker. And that's what I concentrated on until, you know, that, that blessed up day to where I'm one of the first people that they pick to play on the big boy court. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love it. So I was going to ask, I had so many questions from that. What are the ingredients to, to be so fearless that you have? Is that a mixture of, of growing up? Is that is how you, what your parents taught you, what you saw, your neighborhood, what makes you so fearless? Also, where you have no awareness of pain, like no, nothing bothered you. Um, I mean, I'm I'm the youngest of five, um, so I I used to fight my older brothers. My my oldest brother, who we share a birthday, I can't have anything to myself. Um, <laughs> he's eight years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, my recently deceased brother was seven years older than me. My sister's six years older than me. And then I got another brother that's two years older than me. So I had the the most difficult time with my oldest brother, who we all consider a bully. He was a bully before bullying was popular. He was a bully like 45 years ago. Um, (laughs) Right? Right. Um, So there wasn't even a name for that back then, besides being an older sibling that that tried to... Um, I mean, he just tried to dish out chores. I mean, things that my, my mom told him to do. He tried to. I, 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 I feel you. I, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not doing this. So he would try to make me do it. And I'm just like, no, I'm not doing it. I don't. You can. They, we called it mugging. Like he would take my take his hand and kind of push my face back and mug me. He would do all these things to me. But I still. I wasn't going to clean the bathroom because that's your job. So I, I think I, I got my toughness from being in a household full of uh, testosterone and, 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 a, and a bully mentality in my, in my older brother. And I just think that that's helped me be fearless. It helped me when I got outside of my home that I've already seen the worst of the worst in my household. So, you know, Anybody else is not going to do anything that's going to hurt me. You're not going to hurt my feelings. You're not going to physically hurt me because I can I can take, you know, I can take pain. You you know, one thing in growing up in in Philly, um, we we see crying, complaining as a weakness. And people will take advantage of that very thing if they feel like they can get under your skin and they can one up you in some type of way. And I just felt like, you know, it prepared me for whatever life threw at me. And I think it, 
it helped me just mentally be stronger because physically you can't hurt. Uh, but if if your mind is stronger than that pain, then it's just pain and nothing else besides pain. And pain is temporary. Every every athlete, every every coach, every person I talk to, it's always the same thing. You got to have amnesia. You got to be mentally tough. That 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 accounts for so much of whatever sport you're in, the game. Will you take this mentality to college? You go in and you have this reputation of being who you are and and, and good at what you do. Um, what adjustments do you think you have to make? And I'm not even talking about on the court. I'm just talking about in life, dealing with other people more attention than you've ever had, perhaps a different environment in terms of interacting with folks because they know you special. I would say that mentality doesn't always work in every, you know, in every arena, so to speak. You know, I went, I went to probably one of the, you know, the whitest, most privileged universities. Yes, you did. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, I'm like, so how are you going there? You're at UVA, you up, I'm from North Philly, 215267. (laughs) Yes. So, so, and I didn't know, I didn't know I was, I was me. Like, you know, if you're from Philly, you're going to be you more times than not. People are going to have to pivot and adjust to you versus you to them. Um, And especially when, you know, for me, when it came to sports, um, I was known for that, but I didn't know there was a world outside of sports. I really, I didn't like, I didn't know, like, I don't want back then. I didn't even like talking to people. Like I didn't, I was shy. Um, I expressed myself through playing sports, but I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I found myself in academic um, trouble my first year at Virginia. And when you aren't good at something, you invite other people into your life that you don't, necessarily want in your life is extra conversations for me is extra. And I'm going to say it's, you know, this is what the Dean told me because I had to sit down and talk to the Dean. I had to, you know, I didn't know anything. I didn't give her eye contact. I didn't, um, you know, I didn't, you know, pronounce my words. I, I was very, very uncomfortable. you know, having a conversation with the Dean of a, of a school that's going to determine whether or not, I get to stay or or leave. So I wasn't savvy enough and I wasn't sophisticated enough to know. So I did what I would normally do is I shut down and, you know, and I'm like, do what you got to do. <laughs> do what you got to do. Um, and I and I look back on that and I'm just like, that was the wrong thing to do. But she said, she said, you know, she said, sometimes you're going to have to conform to your environment. And maybe, you know, I didn't know what that word meant at the time. Cause I was just like, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not kissing anybody's ass. You know, this, this is who I am. I mean, I'm just dumb. I mean, really just ain't aware of nothing, but I'm Philly. I'm North Philly. I, what you, what you mean? I got to conform. I'm not going to bow down to anybody. I'm, I'm going to be me. I'm going to be, this was in my bubble because I really wasn't saying this. It was, you could tell by the look of my face that I'm just like, um, but when, when you're talking about separating, like 
me from the very thing that I love, which is basketball. Um, you learn, you learn to grow up a little bit quicker. Um, I, I was grateful to have a coach to explain that part to me and help me understand how to deal in those type of situations. So Debbie Ryan had to go back to the Dean and just basically give some background on who I am as a person and, and how I operate. Um, cause if, if you don't have that person, it's a, you know, it's a, she, Debbie was like a sponsor to me. She was a sponsor. Um, one that is, was well-respected, um, on camp, on, on grounds. We, we call them grounds. We don't say campus on grounds. She's well-respected. And, um, if she wasn't, then I would have been, you know, one of those statistics that had to leave UVA and go on to somewhere else and start over and, um, who knows if that would have been the thing that derailed me from um, being successful in my life. Um, but you do have to conform. You do have to learn. You have to learn how to pivot. You 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 have to, you know, you got to do things for your own good. You got to get out of your way so you can so you can be successful. And those interactions at UVA really helped me probably more so in my this is my 22nd year coaching. But those first 28, those are the kinds of pivoting that I've had to do uh, with my players to have a really good understanding of what their needs are. And I have to be a good resource for them because somebody was just that for me. Did you realize See, there's a difference between, and, and there's so many buzzwords now, everyone uses awareness and self-care and all the, all the words that you, you, you hear. Did you realize while you were at UVA that Coach was doing that for you, that she was helping you learn to conform and pivot? Did you understand that that was going to be necessary for you to succeed? Then, not now, then. Yeah, no, no. I mean, because a, a, lot, a lot of that happened um, out of earshot. Um, but but for me, I'm, I'm smart enough to just know that my performance in front of that dean was not what did not put me in a position of um, giving me a second chance. So something had to happen in order for me to be where I am. And all of my communications were, were with my coach. So I just put two and two together that, Hey, this is, this is Debbie working. This isn't, this isn't me. This isn't, you know, being a star basketball player. This is an adult who really understands the big picture and, and someone that knows that if you take basketball away from this, this young lady, um, she's going back to the projects. Um, and we, we really don't want her to, we don't want that outcome. That's beautiful. I'm writing it down. That's beautiful. How do you feel about coach now? I love, I love Debbie Ryan. I love like Debbie Ryan was a coach who, um, I mean, I, I, I was pretty special coming out of high school. Like I was, I was a good player. Um, but when you when you coach a good player, you can you can coach that player with handcuffs on, 
You can, you know, you can, you can give a short leash and just let, in my case, just let her go just a little bit and pull her back. Or you take all of her, you let her be creative and then you teach her as she's making mistakes along the way. Um, And then you allow her to figure it out. And I call that meeting me where I was to take me where I need to go. And that's who I am as a coach. That's that's if, if I had to put that in a nutshell is I'm, I'm really good at meeting people where they are. I don't try to change them. I don't try to. No, I meet you where you are and I help you with where you're trying to go. And that that takes communication. I got to know where you want to go. Your words, not my words, your words. So if you want to go to the league, if you want to if you want to be a doctor, um, if you want to be a coach, I'm going to meet you where you are and I'm going to guide you through what the the, the pitfalls of life. Um, and I'm going to embrace you through the, you know, the the good times. I mean, it is, you know, pushing and pulling. It is um, getting young people to realize the big picture because sometimes they lose sight of that. And then sometimes they're only focused on the big picture that they lose sight of the te- the details that's needed in front of them. The way you describe that visually for me, meeting people where they are, pitfalls, ups and downs, but meeting them where they are and taking them where they want to be very much illustrates what I think your career was, right? Because there was no WNBA when you when you graduated and you played overseas and then you joined the league. The WNBA was year one, right? Am I wrong? Do I have the document? Year three. Year three. Mm-hmm. How would you describe that time? Because basketball was all you knew. You said you loved it so much, so you were playing in any, any and everywhere. How would you describe that time for you when there wasn't quote unquote a professional option yeah. here in the states? Right, hard. That was that was probably the hardest. And you have to you have to think in 1992 when I graduated from Virginia, I was college player of the year. Um, when, um, during that same year, Larry Johnson, grandmama was, was the college player of the year. He signed an $80 million contract. I signed and it wasn't right. It wasn't right after college, like basketball season has started probably in September. So I'm home, I'm home with a, with a retail job. And I wasn't very good at it. Like I I wasn't like some things are meant for people and some (laughs) things aren't me working in retail was not for me because I didn't like to interact with people. I didn't like to talk to people. So when we had customers, I would go, I would go far away from them. And I I love folding clothes. I would, I would, I would fold clothes. I would just make myself busy. Um, And then probably six weeks after that season started, I had to replace a guard in Segovia, Spain. So I signed a $35,000 contract Mm. to go play in Segovia, Spain. And when I got there, I mean, I was happy, obviously, to do the thing that I love. But when I got there, it was a lot different than college. Because college, you know, your day is pretty much, you know, uh, scheduled for you. Um, mm-hmm. but overseas you, you practice maybe once or twice a day and then 
you know, you're on your own. And I, I've never been like on my own like that, having to fend for myself, having to go to the grocery store and buy food to cook. Um, and then the basketball wasn't what I was anticipating. I was thought I was going to the pros. So there were certain things that will already be in place. And I was going to be in a place of continuing to learn. Um, but it was a lot different back then because if you were the American or the foreigner, you were expected to score, you know, 50, 40, 50 points. And if you didn't win and you didn't score those points, they they really put the blame on you. They don't mind saying it's your fault. This is what we're paying you to come here to help us win. Mm-hmm. So it was, and it was like imitating, it was like imitating the, the NBA. And I I was just used to playing basketball as like, you know, in college, you playing as a team, you moving the ball, you, you know, everybody gets to touch the ball when it was direct opposite. Like you put the ball into the super superstars hands and you, you gotta, you gotta perform magic. Um, but I was super happy that I had an outlet to continue yes. to play. So, I mean, I, I lived out of a suitcase, but I surely just in, enjoyed playing. Um, I didn't enjoy because back then you didn't have, you know, you didn't have Wi-Fi. You had a landline. <laughs> so my, my, my people. yeah. So my 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 telephone bills were like two thousand two grand a month. Your check, your check, yes. your entire right. check. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. All my money goes to my phone bill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I get it. On the other side of the break, we hear more uh, from Don Staley and how she was able to do all these wonderful things that she just says so dismissively, like it's not a big deal. But she's a superstar. But more importantly, a great human. Back in a moment. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, Keep going, because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Every champion they carry champions to be a champion. A champion they carry champion. They girl, you did it. A champion they carry champion. They carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Get naked, we're. All right, you guys. We talked about it. Don Staley giving us that truth with an F on naked. Here's more. But first of all, you go from, because I think people who are listening, can't understand. You go from being the number one college player in that same year, your male counterpart signs an $80 million deal and you fold and close. And then you go overseas because that's the only way where you can at least do what you love um, and you're homesick. And there are all these other options. It's a love-hate relationship to do what you have to do. Imagine if I had to pick up and leave and move to another country so I can just do what I got to do, which to me is mind blowing now, like the thought of that. But it also talks about your commitment. Walk me through how you decided to be in the WNBA or ended up playing in the WNBA and leaving overseas and what that experience was like. Well, the, the main reason why I went overseas was because I wanted to be an Olympian. Mm. Um, and when I tried out for the 1992 Olympic team, I got cut. Um, and the two things that they said were the reasons why I got cut was, one, I was too short. And there's that short thing again. And then <laughs> two, I didn't have enough international experience. So that's why I went overseas to play, to get myself ready for the that next Olympic Games, which was 96. So I went overseas and in 92, 93, and, and 94. And then that that following year, like I went 94 to 95, but I came home a little bit early because I was a little banged up over there and I wanted to just kind of heal up so I can participate in the Olympic trials. Um, so it is, I mean, you, you have to be committed. If you have goals and you have to understand the when I was growing up in the projects, I only saw women play in, in two events. One was a national championship. So I wanted to be a national champion and two was in the Olympics. So I wanted to be an Olympian and a gold medalist. So those were, and I didn't even think about a WNBA. I mean, and I knew the right. NBA was out. So That's right. yeah, those two things just held my attention and, they made me super committed to that. And little did I know just from being involved in the 96 Olympic team, two, two uh, women's basketball pro leagues were going to be birthed out of our experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, I, I chose to stay with the ABL because all of us um, didn't know that there was going to be a WNBA league. So we committed to playing in the ABL. So I did that for two years. And then I just felt like my body wouldn't be able to take me playing uh, year round, like doing the traditional 
um, basketball season. So I decided after two years to take my talents to the WNBA. Um, and, and there's you know, so I can play. You're talking history. I we did a um and uh, something about the the year of the 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 Olympic year of the woman. I felt was '96, and we did this whole talk about all the different things that came from the '96 Olympics. Mm-hmm. And you're speaking of that now. Um, and how would you know? You wouldn't know, but you still had the opportunity to do both. I I, I feel like. The WNBA then versus now has has changed dramatically. Um, I felt like this year, and you give me your take on it, this year there was more buzz around the finals, I believe, than ever before. More people are paying attention. You know, the marketing feels better. It feels like there is some value there. How would you view the league when you play to now? Well, when I played, the league was just, you know, three years old. Three to, uh, I think I played five or six years. So three to nine. It was under 10 years old. Baby. Um, but, and I, and I thought, I thought it was talent field. Back then, I thought it was super talented. And especially. The best. When, yeah. The especially best. When, yes. When the ABL folded and all those players had to come in the WNBA, it was Top to bottom, loaded, packed. packed, packed. Um, and then if you fast forward, you know, 15, 16 years from there, um, I, as far as talent, I think the talent's up, and the talent's up because we've had 25 years of all of those those players that are playing in the WNBA now, they only knew of a WNBA. Like their 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 lifespan was really only of having a women's professional league here in the states, so they had something to really work hard for. They had goals, so they're going to do everything they need that they need to do to give themselves a chance to play in the league. Um, and to do that, you got to be really good, or else you're gonna be you're gonna be left behind, and that makes it you know. I mean, if you pour into anything, like, you know, people have poured into the WNBA, right? And the the novelty has worn off. And I thought for a while um, it plateaued. But I think now we're, we're coming back. Like, I think this is this is time for women, like women in sports. This is this is our time. Like we have to strike when the iron's hot. So we can get to another 20, another 50th year, 25 more years. And I do think, I do think you'll have a million dollar player, a multi-million dollar player in the, in the near future. I, I do. I um, so. We always try to compare um, leagues. You know, you, you go back to the NBA, their first 25 years. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they were millionaires then. I say that now. I say that now all the time. I'm like, I, I, I'm not. I don't know. But, but, but what I, what I do know, and I, and I hope I'm not like how people romanticize what it used to be like. But I do know if I feel like if you suited up and swoops 
even Lisa, like y'all could take these girls. Like if this was if it was the talent then versus the talent now, right? There's a lot of talent, but I felt like it was more gritty. I felt like it was more, you know what I'm saying? Like y'all had a different type of edge when y'all played. And I don't know if that's the advent of college giving giving these stars more attention, giving them more access. I don't know, but just, it just feels different. The, well, the, the, the love for it feels different. Yeah. Well, well, um, I, I got to go back to, you know, when the Teresa Edwards, um, yes. the, you know, Medina Dixon's, you know, the, the Debbie Lido's, the, you know, the Yolanda Laney's. I mean, these are those shoulders we stood on. Give we stood the on their shoulders. And now, you know, now this era of athlete in the WNBA is standing on our shoulders. Um, I, I, I do feel like there was a different grittiness, meaning we we trimmed the fat. Like there's no there was no fat to us playing. I think now there's a lot of fat to the WNBA in that you you trying to outdo somebody. You're trying to, I mean, they've worked on things that you know, coaches back back in the day wouldn't allow us to do. <laughs> that that was circus basketball. You know what I'm saying? So, but they they work on those things. And I, I do think some of them have to utilize um some less traditional moves um to to outfox people because I do think they're they're bigger and stronger now. Yeah. They're bigger, yeah. stronger. You don't think so? Yeah, no, I agree. You're right. I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's how, yeah. I'm going to say this, though. And I know I'm looking at it from 51-year-old eyes. But Mm -hmm. when I was around the Olympic team, and anytime I go to a WNBA game, Mm -hmm. I do often think, damn, this is physical. I don't know if I could... I don't no, know. No, they get after it. They know it's like you sitting courtside. You like, you know, the, the, you know, like you. Okay, this is real. The girls get after it. I'm with you. I yes. agree. And yes. they are bigger. Like they are. I was at game two. I was like, these these legs ain't fooling around. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I'm fragile now. So I mean, it's like <laughs> I I I have a hard time believing. That if we could if we could freeze time, we could take this young lady at 1992 and put her in today's league. I still think you'd just back to basics, just fundamentals. I think you, I think you would be right there. I think I wouldn't even. I don't even. I mean, my heart, will, my heart will be in it for sure, for sure, for sure. See, maybe, and maybe that's what I'm referring to because. So and I'm watching it differently. So I mean, I don't. And it's hard. I listen. I ain't play ball. So let me shut up. But you like. <laughs> I like this. I like. I want all of this. Mm-hmm. I want you have all of this. I don't want get back on defense. I don't want to hear <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> I just want all of this right here. But I mean, I don't know. In my case, I'm just saying that for you, Coach. Okay, I have to ask you this because I know you got to go in a minute. Year one, Coach. Now, Coach, highest paid. I, or you and Gino may be tied. I don't know. I'm not for sure. But I have, I've, the reports say you're the highest paid basketball coach in women's basketball. You're a black woman. Mm-hmm. The celebration is loud. And I know you hear it. But you live on the humble. Like, no big deal. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. How does that make you feel? Do you understand this, what is happening? Do you understand what you've done? What you've been able to accomplish? 
because you was folding clothes and 19, I just, just you right here. You didn't want to talk to the people at the retail store. You was folding clothes in 92. Now you're the highest paid. I'm, I'm, I'm kicking in over damn, almost three mil a year to create um, an environment that nurtures women's sports. It's not just for basketball. It's for women's sports in general. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, here's the thing that my, my path truly was divinely ordered. Like I, I am a firm believer that I, I found my calling. I listened to um, where God wanted me to go, because surely I didn't see myself in Columbia, South Carolina. Like, and then maybe Philly. Like the Temple thing was a, you know, was a was a good match because I'm from Philly. But then, you know, once I left Philly and came to South Carolina. I'm just like I'm, you know. This this is it fit. Yeah, it. Well, I didn't think it fit, but as the years went by, it fit. And then now I'm I'm just gonna tell you what spared me the fight for what took place on Friday, which was, you know, a raise. It was, um, I wanted equal pay. Like I wanted, I wanted equal pay. And I I never back down from it because uh, here I am. I'm writing letters. Um, I'm writing letters to say to speak on all the inequities that happened at in San Antonio at the NCAA tournament. Like, you know, I got it out. I had to get it off my chest, and then I had to you know just move on and focus on our team. And then it stayed with me when we got back. Like, how am I going to be out here politicking and fighting for um, equality um, nationally? And then we we don't I don't even have it here. There's not there's not been you know discussion about it. So then I'm like, hell, I'm going for it. Like, for real, I'm like, I'm going for it. Like, th- this is what I want. Like, and it, t- it took a while for it to, to take place. But. Um, you got to stay the course when you want to do something big. Now, now, now they offer me, um, you know, a significant raise, but then I'm like, hell, if you can get this, you, you we're here. We, we're, we're, we're almost Just here. Give me my money. But, but, because <laughs> but. it's not about the money. It's about the principality. Yes, Smokey. Yes. yes. <laughs> but, but, throughout the negotiations it was all about the money like basically you know some of the stuff came out like why you know why you think you should make more than the football coach I'm like I don't I don't I didn't pay the football coach like really I didn't we're a football school SEC is a football conference I wasn't that wasn't my my point my point is I I do I I do what the men's basketball coach does um, we've had sustained success here. We've been in the final fours. We won a national championship. We've done basically all these things. And, and I had to look at, like, if you look at, and I, I don't want to talk about Frank Martin in this way. I'm just going to talk about the numbers. And the numbers say, I've been here from um, 2008 until now. He was here from, I don't know, 2012 until now. If you add up his, his, um, 
increases, his salary increases, and you add up mine, he, he's got more. So that number is staggering to me. And I just felt like now is the time. But it's also, you know, was I fighting for me? Yes, but I was also fighting for a bigger, like this is much bigger than, than me. This is for black women, for white women, for corporate women, CEOs. This is for teachers. This is for administrators. This is for every woman that doesn't get a dollar on the dollar she earned. And, and I just felt like, you know, and I don't, I didn't, I was doubtful. I was really doubtful whether or not it was going to get done. But when it got done, it was well worth the negotiations. It was well worth, you know, the high pitched voices that were, you know, spewed (laughs) out. Um, because it was not about me. It was more about everybody else. And I just hope this creates a norm because this is unpopular. It's unpopular for, for South Carolina to do it. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's a microcosm of what's happening out there in the world. So I hope it, it moves from being an unpopular right thing to a popular right thing and the norm. So I think it's, I think it's a pretty big deal. I think it's a pretty cool deal. And all these things were happening too when I just told somebody this Robin Roberts that the um LFG documentary that they had on CNN, I watched it. I sat down and watched it. And I'm just like, damn, this is a damn shame that is this is happening to them when, you know, they've been super successful. So I sat down, I watched it, I took notes, and I'm just like, I I'm I'm here for this reason. Like sometimes you need something tangible to say, this is why you're here. Keep pushing, keep fighting, keep, this is what we need. We need groundbreaking. We went, we need momentum heading into, you know, what I think is a, a woman's movement. It's time for us to rise up and to, to risk it all. Cause I did, I risked, I risked it all. Like they could have said, no, nah, get on out of here. We, you know, we're not doing this. How dare you? Um, mm-hmm. so you gotta be able to risk it all and know that if it doesn't turn out the way you want it to, it wasn't because you didn't fight. Let's normalize equal pay. Mm-hmm. How about that? Let's normalize equal play, pay for hardworking black women and women all over, but let's just normalize equal pay. It I mean, just makes simple? sense. It and just I, is so simple. <laughs> like I, I like not asking too even, much. Like equal pay, <laughs> like racism, like it's such it's such a simple thing to solve. I okay. I gotta let you go. Last question. Number one preseason. Congratulations. What are we looking like? I mean, just so many wins, so many wins. And I know, I know what it feels like to be the first and do so many things that people haven't done before. And all it is, is check, 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 check. And we keep moving. You, you back, you back in practice. You don't like, I, I need you to take a moment to disenjoy this season. Let it be two weeks. Let it be a day. 
but it is a beautiful thing to watch. It makes me so happy. Like, I'm so happy listening to you right now. Do you understand? Like, I am celebrating every one of your wins because it's a win for us. It is Mm -hmm. a win for the culture. It's a win for women. It is a win, huge wins. And I'd like to see us have some parity and normalize something different, especially in women's basketball at the collegiate level. Number one preseason, what we looking like? I mean, I probably like everybody else, good, bad, ugly <laughs> at times. Like, like, I mean, we got a good team, no doubt about it. Very, very talented. Um, and we just started doing this this week, and it, it's not fun. But we just started simulating what it, what a game would be like in terms of substitutions. So some people aren't getting as many reps as they've gotten, you know, for the two months that we've been together. Yeah. So you, you'll you hear a little bit of chirping. You'll see a little <laughs> bit of facial expressions. You'll feel see a little bit of body language. And that's normal. You know, I'm not going to take that away from competitors. But I, I told our players this year that we're, we're all going to have to sacrifice. Um, and you got to keep, you got to keep, um, sending that message because again, they lose sight because they look within and say, Hey, I'm not starting. I'm not playing. So we got to consistently, you know, give them that message. And I asked them again, I'm at the very beginning. I was like a little bit different. Y'all know, y'all understand what we're, they all say, yes. I said, but we only need what you do best. That's just right. this year, just this year. <laughs> We don't need your whole bag. We know you got do you can do a lot of things with that basketball, but we only need the thing that you do best. And if you do that, things are going to start clearing up. If you try to muck it up by looking at what this person does, which is her best thing, but you want to add that to what you already do, it's going to mess things up. So, we have to constantly battle with our players to see the big picture, and it's not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. But it's going to happen if we're if we just like we have to drill um, how we're playing ball screens, ball screen defense. We got to drill it. We got to drill these things too because you know it it's coming. We play in you know two weeks. Um, the parents are going to come to the games. They're going to see their their little girls expecting them to play, and we we're gonna get on a Zoom call with the parents, and we're gonna say, hey, we're about to start. Your daughter may play some minutes, no minutes, a lot of minutes. We don't know. Or any given day could change. So we need you. We need you to be parents and support them. Don't don't ask what you don't know, because, you know, we've been in the gym for two months. And if you want to count back to June, uh, five, six months. So. It, it is what it is. So I think we do a really good job of communicating and we got a good team and whether we're the number one or number three, number six, number eight, whatever it is, um, we're going to fight. <laughs> we're going to not literally fight. We're going <laughs> But maybe. <laughs> but maybe. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> um, Coach, I know you have to go. We only need you. I'm writing down what you're saying. We need you to do the thing you do best. That's it. That's all we want them to do. I That's am rooting it. for you. And I am so very, 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 very excited for you. No matter 
um, what the season looks like. We hope it's always a, a win. I, I went to UCLA, so I got to be careful what I say because, you know, they be watching everything. Coach Coach be texting me like, oh, Carrie, can I talk to you? I'll be like, I just, I can't, I get like, Coach, I, I didn't play. I just, I work in sports. I'm sorry. Uh, but I, I, Coach, I'm just, I am so proud of you and so excited uh, for what's next in your journey. You have really, truly, truly been a trailblazer and it's not gonna notice. We need it. So thank you for it. Thank you. So as this is being released, it's week one of college basketball. Don did not know this, but I intentionally moved this podcast up so that I could praise her during this week. Her class currently is number one, preseason number one. All that means nothing to her, as she has talked about. I will be very clear here, though, if just in case, you know, my coach, Coach Close at UCLA is listening. I am a Bruin, but I'm very impressed by Don. So please don't be mad at me. Side note, I'm looking forward to see what she does. And I don't want to hear anyone critiquing her if she doesn't have the season that some expect because she got paid. That money she got paid, that was already invested years ago. Y'all had her at a bargain, right? You got her on the cheap. You finally paying her her worth. This is back, if you will. I don't want to hear no, no crap talking. I do want to say, though, when I listened to the podcast, I thought it has to be difficult to always feel like you have to do and say the right thing when you're in such a public position. College sports is very political, although people will say it's not. College sports is very political. Sports in general is. But on the collegiate level, there is an extra layer of red tape that you have to deal with. Boosters, you know, alumni, parents. She mentions all of that. There's so much going on. But she has been able to do something that I think we all should learn to do. Keep the main thing the main thing. I'm here to coach these girls to play basketball so that they can compete and move on and do whatever they want to do that in life. Whether that be go to the league, whether that be find another career, maybe that be a coach, whatever it may be. I'm here to do the main thing and I keep the main thing the main thing. Oftentimes we get so caught up in shit that just don't matter. Instead of just being right? Instead of just doing what we came to do, we get caught up and distracted. And that's where we see all the pitfalls, all the problems. So I thank Don for reminding me to keep the main thing, the main thing. Thanks for listening. That's the main thing to naked. Back next week, y'all. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.